Welcome to Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. I'm Tracy Brown, the fraud-busting body language expert. I've spent the last 20 years reading people, uncovering secrets hidden in plain sight to find the truth in crimes, politics, and billion-dollar business deals. And I want you to be able to tell whose pants are on fire, make better decisions, and build your bottom line as well. Get ready. Let's dive in. It's Tracy, and I am back with Super Producer Alex for another episode of Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. Alex, how are you? I'm doing fantastic, Tracy. Thanks for having me aboard today. Mm, yeah, you bet. So, um, Alex, you're a uh, you're a single man. What are you holding back? Um, I'm just thinking about you and your singleness. And... Yeah, but you're holding something back. I see that because you put your finger over your lips again. Mm-hmm. I because yeah. I'm thinking about have you have you ever woken up to find your girlfriend gone? Like gone, G O N E, like not coming back, gone. That uh, no, that has never happened. I mean, it, it you know occasionally she's up in the bathroom and you know and then she reappears. I'm like, ah, oh, damn it. Yeah, <laughs> I, th- I thought it was free, but no, it didn't work out. <laughs> but <laughs> but no, I have never woken up and I mean you know unless she had an early meeting and I didn't and I slept in. But well, uh, our guest your, today, our guest today, context, Scott no. Scott Lesnick, he's uh-huh. a friend of mine. He woke up to find his wife gone with all her stuff and his two kids gone too. She kidnapped them to another country. Did she take the TV? I don't know. I didn't ask. Because that would, you know, I mean, at least he could still have a normal morning, you know, flip on the <laughs> tube, catch some news, drink some no, coffee, part of the situation. Normalness out of his life was gone for years and years and years while he's trying to get his kid back, his kids back, like find his wife and get his mm-hmm. kids back. And okay, so she took them to a. She took him overseas to Israel. She took him to Israel. And he was where was he? Uh, In the states, like Michigan, I think. Okay, yeah. Well, I mean, I can understand wanting to get out of Michigan in like December or January or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know if Israel is my destination of choice in that. uh, Well, it was hard. He'll he'll tell you all about how Israel got picked. Uh And about how he fought and fought and fought to get his kids back. He had to actually, he got him back and then she re-kidnapped him and took him back over there (laughs) and he had to get him back again. No kidding. Mm -hmm. Well, we got to give her points for for determination, if nothing else. (laughs) That's it. But uh, you know what we should do? We should talk to Scott because he's got the scoop. Let's go do that. Let's go check out Scott's scoop. It's Tracy, and I am back with another interview on truth, lies, and cover-ups. And today is going to be fascinating. I just have this feeling because I have Scott Lesnick with me. Now, I, uh, Scott, we have known each other for a while, and uh, we both spoke at the Financial Planners Association. Scott, because you're a, a keynote speaker like like me, really? and um, you speak on different topics, right? Because I do body language, and you do... Well, I speak on connecting five generations in the workplace, how to successfully navigate change. And I have a powerful keynote on one of my books, which is how I got my kids back from the Middle East when they were kidnapped. Got it. Okay. Because this is, this is what happened. Cause we, we sat down after, uh, well, I think it was after my talk. It was before your talk in Seattle. We were in Seattle and, and you're like, yeah, then there was this kidnapping. I was like, what, <laughs> what happened? And so I still don't know the story. So Scott, jump in right at the first. What happened? Piece of cake. I uh, I married somebody from the Middle East, from Israel, a uh, wonderful person, and she wanted to live here in the States with me. 
no problem. And we started a family. And this and was had, what year was this? This was in the mid nineties. Okay. Okay. So I, uh, we started a family, had two kids. And when they were two and four years old, I began to notice that my wife, Lisa, wasn't always telling me the truth. Okay. And about, about what? Just about like things she was doing during the day, what she really wanted out of life and, and what was really important to her. She would embellish at, at best and sometimes just lie. And, and it wasn't anything huge, but it wasn't what I was used to in a relationship. And mm -hmm. then now, now, day, wait a minute, hang on, yeah. hang on. We're, yeah. not, we, we're not we're not stopping we're not going to the next step yet okay no problem. <laughs> now, what like what was she telling you uh okay uh what did you do today when the kids were uh at nursery school well i hung out at home all day and spoke to some people and did a little housework cool well she was actually out shopping or doing other things um not hanging with people because she was social but didn't have a lot of friends mm -hmm. uh or i took the kids here or there but she really kind of didn't take them to visit a friend or over to a friend so there were these things i was beginning to notice but i waited because i was like okay maybe she's just built this way it's nothing huge let's uh let's let it go because you now, have to really pick and choose and that's and that Okay, yeah, you gotta pick your belt. But how did you know it was a lie? How do you, how do you know these were lies? Like, what was her? Oh, because uh, because friends of ours would go. She was never here, or I never went out shopping with her. Uh huh. Or this didn't happen, or the kids weren't here that day. Pretty simple, and I wasn't even asking. I was more like, man, thanks so much for having Lisa and the kids over. And they'd be like, when was that? Okay. I don't have to be a member of Mensa. By the way, I am a member of Densa, the low IQ society. I don't like to brag about that one, but you don't have to be that right to understand, okay, something's going on. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. All right. So it's pretty obvious because stories didn't match up. Okay. Then what happened? One day uh, I woke up, rolled out of bed and the kids were gone. Oh. Lisa was, Lisa was gone. Was there and stuff there? Like, okay. Pardon? Was there stuff there? Well... Turns out, no, but I didn't know right away. Okay. Then I kind of figured it out. Uh, she had taken some sort of trip. And then I found out she was back in the Middle East in Israel. Uh, it took me a couple of days of unbelievable panic, worry, uh, as as you can imagine. And I had to figure out where they were and what was going on. And once I was able to contact her, that's when things went from bad to worse. Okay. Okay. So we got to unpack this a little bit mm -hmm. because you see this on the movies. You do. You yeah. see this on the movies. I woke up and they were gone. Yeah. Okay. Like yeah. really, like how heavy of a sleeper are you, Scott? Like what'd you miss? I mean, <laughs> come so, on. So not a huge, what I missed is Lisa began to have this desire to be back home with her family. Okay. I said to her, look, we decided we were going to live here and the economy back home is crap. It's not uh -huh. good at all. Right. Uh, in order for us to support ourselves and to really be able to take care of the kids, we, we need to hang here for a while uh -huh. before we make any decisions about moving to, to Israel. I've been there a bunch of times, 
good country, great people, beautiful place. But I wasn't about to pack up and move. But I guess she was. Wow. Okay. Okay. So then did you notice like, I don't know, stuff missing from the house? I mean, how how does someone walk out with the kids in the middle of the night while someone is sleeping? Like that's almost impossible. Uh, Once she left the room, Uh I guess she had, she had had some things packed and uh, I, you know, I, I didn't notice that closely and she, she was, she was gone. And so I'm not the lightest sleeper. I'm not the most sound sleeper, but I didn't realize till early in the morning when I got up to quietly go on a run and no one was around, uh-huh. which was unusual. Uh, and that's when I realized, all right, something's hit the fan. And uh, that's when I went into panic mode, uh-huh. crisis mode, survival mode, and every other mode I could think of to try to figure out what was happening and what I was going to do. Okay, so let's let's talk about exactly what happened. So you wake up, they're not you're going going on a run and you notice nobody's home. What's the first thing you did? I the first thing I did is I uh looked to see where her car was. Car was there, but everything else was gone. So I figured, all right, she took a taxi, she went somewhere. Where did she go? Well, there's nowhere that she would really go that I wouldn't know because somebody would tell me because we knew the same people. Uh, so it dawned on me, um, I hope I'm wrong, but I bet you she went home. Back in the day, you could just fly with the kids. You didn't need permission, which is kind of still weird today. But now you have to have a signed little document. And everything. Hey, this kid can travel with that parent. And so it was it was less uh, paperwork back then. So she booked tickets. She got on a plane and she was back in Israel uh, and uh or heading there anyway, when I found out. By the time I was able to contact her, she had already been there for a couple of days. Um, and it was um, a not pleasant conversation. Well, okay, so let's let's talk about those two days. What, what'd you do? We- uh, first thing I did is I panicked. And after panicking, I chose to, to panic some more. Yeah, because well, that's you know, what that- you do. That's that's yeah. been one of my plans before. Uh. <laughs> and, and and but what I do too is this: uh, the way I'm wired is when there's an intense situation, I usually keep my wits and head about me, focus on what needs to be done, and freak out later. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I was doing here. I was going through steps. Uh, there's no book on this how to get uh-uh. your kids back from the kid kidnapped in the middle. There's no steps on what you're supposed to do when you're not sure what's going on. So I was doing whatever I could think of, whatever I, I had seen in TVs and movies. And uh, I was calling people and they were assuring me everything was okay. Some people were going, holy cow. And then it was just a waiting game because until I was in contact with my wife, uh, I didn't have an exact answer. I could make assumptions, but any assumption I made wasn't really true until I heard from her. So then did she just pick up your, pick up the call or uh, yeah. how'd you get a hold of her? Oh yeah. I called her family's house. Uh, and, uh, uh, I said hello to, um, boy, I forgot if it was her mom or dad who answered. She's got six siblings too, uh-huh. uh, but it was one of her parents. And I spoke to them in my little bit of Hebrew and they thankfully understand English. And, uh, uh, I said, is Lisa there? And they said, yeah, one moment. And as soon as they said that, my heart went right from around here uh-huh. down to my ankles. Oh. Um, and that was uh, the beginning of a lengthy, tough, 
conversation and then process of figuring out what the heck I was going to do. And, and really who I was. It was also a discovery about myself, what kind of what kind of dude I was. Uh huh. OK, so then what did she say in that talk? Uh, she said a couple of things. She said, I'm not mad at you. You've done nothing wrong. It's just that the kids need their mom and the dad isn't quite as necessary as mom. And she said, we're not moving back. So you need to move on with your life. And oh. I explained to her that that wouldn't work. And so <laughs> you can't do that. Uh-huh. Uh, there's laws, there's this, there's vows and so forth. We need to discuss this. We need to be together. And she said, my mind's made up. You're going to have to move on. And um, that was after talking for probably 15, 20 minutes. And that's when I did what any normal person would do. I took the phone and hung it up. Uh-huh. And I went outside and paced around and yelled and, and cried and and, uh, and freaked out and then tried to, uh, you know, gather myself and figure out, okay, now what? Okay. So, so your wife took the kids and left yeah. you. Boom. Done. And, and so what, what was your next move? Because like, mm-hmm. it's not legal to take the kids. It really isn't. But at the time, it kind of was a gray area because there's an international law called the Hague Convention on International Aspects of Child Abduction. Many countries are signatories, and I write about it in the, my first book, Kid Jack, the Father's Story. Israel hadn't signed it at that time. Lisa didn't know that. I did after I did some research and uh, spoke with attorneys. So she was under no obligation legally to actually return our kids. She hadn't broken international laws, but she had tiptoed along the border of them without even knowing. She Uh just did what she wanted to do. Um, She didn't research. She just, she winged it. Oh, okay. And, And winged it correctly. Oh, okay. So then what what was your next move? The next move was pretty interesting because I started to look and research in libraries. Uh This is right before the internet was really hitting and there wasn't. So I looked everywhere I could and it didn't look good. And then what I ended up doing is speaking to some lawyers I know. Uh, and, and I spoke to lawyers um, in the state of Wisconsin, where I lived at the time, uh-huh. lawyers uh, in the U.S. and lawyers in Israel and throughout other parts of the world to see if anybody had an idea that might be able to help me. And uh-huh. that's when I learned about the Hague Convention and how uh much trouble I was in and the kids were in uh and that I had no real recourse uh and then I you know I I thought of every way you can to try to get the kids back uh including a friend of mine said hey uh what you really have to do a good friend she said is you need to find some mercenaries and hire them and get a plane and go to the Middle East and get your kids on the plane and get them home and I'm like well, that could get me killed because they're pretty much used to, you know, taking care of business over there. So uh, uh, and then what I finally ended up doing, uh, this is some time later. Uh, Lisa wouldn't talk to me for a while uh, after that. Um, I call it a cooling off period. But what it really was is she was settling with the kids back home in Israel. And every moment of every day I was managing 
team at a big Berkshire Hathaway company, an uh-huh. award-winning sales team. And I was also working diligently on trying to figure out how I was going to change this narrative and get the kids home, which, by the way, throughout a lot of it, myself and many others were pretty confident it wouldn't happen uh, because the odds were way against us. So, you know, it was, uh, but as I said, there's things I learned about myself moving through that that helped me to this day, but also taught me some lessons about me and, and people and survival, which was good. Oh, okay. So we got a lot to unpack there. So you're working for Warren Buffett. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> and you're talking to lawyers. Let's, let's just take a little detour. what did you learn about yourself? Top two things. The top, Number one is that uh, opening up to others was essential. Uh-huh. When you have a huge problem, when I have a huge problem and others have agreed with me, if you if you can tear down that invisible impenetrable wall and open yourself up to others and share what's going on uh-huh. a lot of people have really cool ideas some you can use and some you toss out but we're hardwired as human beings to want to help uh-huh. unless we sense danger so uh-huh. that was the first thing that was really important the other thing uh and you said two so i'll give you one more even though I do believe in the rule of three. Okay, you can do three, fine, Scott, do three. Hey, it's your podcast. No, so uh, (laughs) the second one is I realized that I kept hitting obstacles. I kept falling on my face. Uh, There'd be another hurdle and another, but I realized as time went on that even though it was sometimes just an inch at a time, Mm -hmm. very, very small measures, I was moving forward. I was continuing to move the narrative forward, to move a possible plan forward. So I wasn't just sitting down. So I learned to keep on moving forward. Sometimes it'll be a big leap and other times it's very, very small amounts. But if you're moving forward, it counts. It's good. Plus it it it, it kind of makes you feel good either in your brain or in your body that, and it helps support you. Okay. Maybe I've got this. Maybe something will happen. Uh-huh. What's the third one? Come on. I ain't got a third. No, I <laughs> Uh, the third was uh, I had to come up with ways to reduce my stress. Oh, if I okay. didn't, I knew I'd just curl up into a little ball and toss in the towel and just give up uh, and move on with my life because I, I, it was monumentally stressful. And uh, so I, I had to develop ways of reducing my stress and, and really trying to stick to those so that I could just kind of stay in one piece and mm-hmm. and. So coming up with some ways to reduce stress really, really helped as well. Okay. So then when did the needle actually start to move? Mm, it started to move twice. First, there was an attorney named Cliff. And Cliff uh, was just an awesome guy. He had been around. He had had some great cases over the decades. He was retired, but he was an arch supporter. He was intelligent. He was a chain smoker. And he absolutely said things the way they were. There was no color. There may be a little bit of humor, but he said things the way they were. So he was a great support, even though he told me, uh, hey, kid, I think you're screwed, but maybe not. Uh, So that was supportive. That helped me. And then several months down the road, as I was trying to figure out what to do, uh, I ended up making the decision to hire an attorney after speaking with attorneys 
and vetting attorneys, but they they had to have three things. And this is what really helped me get more focused. They had to have practiced family law. They had to have a reputation as being tough, like a pit bull of an attorney, because that's what I needed. Mm -hmm. And they had to be passionate about my particular case, because I get it. We're, you know, I'm going to pay you, but you have to be all in and really passionate about this, or you're not where I'm at. So I need you to kind of meet me close to there. And I found Julie, uh, who was all of those things. And uh, we were um, able to put a lot of things together, not that would get the kids back, but we had a lot of talks and a lot of things that would uh, eventually um, be beneficial uh, if I get the kids back. Interesting. Okay. So how did you get the kids back? Lisa began speaking to me after four months. Okay. And this was really a huge thing. Um, I had a feeling if I gave her some time, uh, she'd begin to look at things from different perspectives as much as she was able to do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when she started speaking to me, I realized I had this epiphany one day that I had been going over and trying to accomplish things the wrong way. I had been going around Lisa to try to get the kids back, but I needed to go through her. Oh, and, interesting. And okay. Once I realized that, and now, now realizing that doesn't mean it's it's going to work, but it made sense to me knowing her. Uh, and we began to talk, and I gently, uh, for lack of better terms, I buttered her up. I told her how much I miss her and love her how wonderful she was. You know, it's interesting. As all this is going on, whoever may listen to this, and I know you have a big following, it's really hard to describe. If you're a parent, you'll get it. If you're not that which is most precious to you, your spouse, your pet, whatever, losing something that huge giant is so difficult to deal with and make it through every day. Uh, so every day I looked at it as a victory that I was just able to make it through. And as these conversations with Lisa grew, she was more open and Uh I would, I would shut up and listen Uh and I would take notes. And sometimes I would repeat things back to her that she had said, because I thought, well, maybe this will be comforting. Maybe hearing her own words, even though she may not know that her own words will help her lower her guard. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, meeting with Julie, uh, uh, you know, I said to her one day, finally, we had, boy, about 10 or 12 meetings. And I was in her office in her conference room. And I said, Lisa's given me permission to come visit her and the kids. And I'm going to fly over there. It had been five months. Uh It felt like five years. Now, wait, wait, what are you telling Lisa? So to get her to turn around, turn the corner. Well, I said to her, uh, we were talking one day, uh, uh, evening over there, and, and I said, you know, I I miss you guys just so much. Uh, why don't I just come over and we'll mm-hmm. just hang out. We'll spend a little bit of time together. And, you know, I've been thinking more and more about what you've been saying. And, and you know, I've been to, you know, I've traveled a bunch and I've been to Israel a bunch of times now. Uh, and it is great there. Uh, and, and maybe we should discuss the four of us living there and moving there. And she's like, would you really do that? 
And I was like, yeah, I think we need to discuss that, but there's so much to talk about. Why don't we get together? I'll, I'll fly over there. Uh, and she's like, okay, Scott, that'll be good. So I got the okay from her, the only okay I could that mattered, her permission uh-huh. to fly over there. And I asked Julie, my attorney, uh, who was dead set against me going. She was afraid for my uh, life, uh-huh. my health. She said so many things could happen. Two of her brothers are police officers, even though we're tight and and, and, and laws. And, and I'm like, well, I have this little window of opportunity. I'm going to go. And I had realized about a week before that, that we could not stay married because I couldn't trust her. Right. Obviously. And I uh, asked her to ser- uh, have divorce papers written up and ready to serve Lisa in case I was able to pull this off. I said, if I do, and I come back with Lisa and the kids, give me two days because mm-hmm. I'll go back and forth to the Mideast in a week, be a little tired. And I, I have to be on every second I'm there. It's like I'm acting every second just to try to make this work. And Julie, you know, at the end, she had no choice. And and uh, I uh, boarded an LL Airlines jet and flew 13 hours to the Mideast. So you're faking this whole thing with Lisa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Oh man. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. complete. It's it's complete and utter BS. But to backtrack for a moment, when Lisa first told me that I should move on with my life and that a mother's more important than a father, I thought about that after I hung up on her. Uh-huh. I really did. I kind of and I thought, you know, here you are, a young dude. Um, maybe if you move on your with your life and you don't have to raise the kids, there's so many things you could do. And, and it was all about me. Uh-huh. And that lasted literally, it's true. I mean, I'm being honest. It lasted uh-huh. about 30 minutes. Uh-huh. And I I realized that that wasn't who I was. Yeah, I no, you don't seem like that kind of guy. Well, I didn't know that. I, I, I knew, I didn't know what a fighter I was. I, uh-huh. I, I, I didn't, but I learned uh, how tenacious I could be because of this. And I just, um, Worked on Lisa for a long time. And then when I went over there, uh, I was I completely knew that I would have to put on a hell of a performance because one of the things over there that's different than in the West is that people in the Middle East, when you're talking to them, they they look back at you. They look you in the eye and they have conversations like this. They don't look away like we do in the West a little bit. It's almost like a human lie detector test every second, but that's just how they're they're uh-huh. raised. And so it's also intimidating from that factor. And I was like, I was wondering if I could keep it together just as that Vulcan mind meld was going on, or at least my thought of it happening. It was, huh. Okay. So, so you're lying to her, you're acting like everything's going to be okay. And you, maybe you'll move over there and all this. Okay. You get over there. What happens? I I like your choice of words too, um, because it's interesting how people say, well, you did this, you deceived, you did that. I absolutely lied. And I'm, I'm proud that I did. I mean, once in a while you lie and it's for a good reason. And my estimation, this was real good reason. Uh, I, when I landed at the airport, as promised, Lisa and the kids were there. We uh, rented, picked up the car I had rented, drove back to her family's house. I was met by her mom and dad and their six brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and cousins that were there and all this food. And 
we talked and ate and I just wanted to, I wanted to click my heels like Dorothy and just have the two kids in my hands and be back in Wisconsin. Right. I just, I, I, I was already mentally, physically, and emotionally weak, exhausted, yeah, and toast, yeah. but uh, it didn't happen, of course. So uh, I went, they showed me to a room, a nice air-conditioned room, and I crashed for about 12 hours and uh, woke up the next day. The kids were there watching Sesame Street in Hebrew, sitting on the uh, floor with their cousins eating breakfast, and, uh-huh. and I hugged them. And But kids are incredibly resilient, and, I, and I'm just kissing them, and they're like, hi, Daddy, and then they just went back to watching TV. I'm like, wow. And that's uh, when that's when it was really showtime. That's when it got pretty intense. Uh-huh. So that so that what'd you do? Uh well, I first thing I did is I showered and uh shaved and had a cup of tea and went outside on their patio and it was already it was morning time, it was hot, and I sat in the shade and I was just trying to collect myself and who should walk outside? to sit down with me holding a plate of watermelon, but Lisa's father, Joseph, the alpha male of, of the family. And this guy is then in his early 60s and his shirt was off, you know, it was hot. And and, and he was just built like a bear. You could just tell he was uh, once a man of really great strength and power. And, and, you know, so I'm intimidated there too. And and we're, we're talking mm-hmm. and eating watermelon and spitting out the seeds on the floor. And he just said to me, he said, Scott, in his accent, he said, uh, Lisa told me you want to go home with her to sell your house and move to Israel. Is that correct? And I said, yeah, that's what we want to do. And that's when he, all the role playing I had done and everything I thought I did with these folks back home and people all over, this one never came up. He looked at me and said, I will miss Jonathan and Alexandra too much if you take them. So leave them here. Oh. You and Al, you and Lisa go back. Take your time. My family and I will watch the kids, and you come back. The kids will be here, and everything will be good. And that was a an intense moment where the air from my lungs pretty much escaped. It was toasty outside, and I was trying to catch my breath. And then it kind of dawned on me. Just I don't know how, but it popped in my brain. Middle East, man to man. You got to man up, dude. Uh, and I had one more hand I could play, and I went all in. I just said, Joseph, thank you for the kind offer. I appreciate it, and uh, it's great, but it could take us three, four, five months to sell our house, get the paperwork approved, and ship things over here. It's just too long for the kids to be away from their mother. Mm-hmm. Oh! And, uh, and uh, I said, I'd like to take them back, let them spend time with our family, and, 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 and then we'll all come back together. And people over there with that stare, he's looking at me like this, and it felt like 20 or 30 seconds. It was probably five. Uh-huh. And he goes, Scott, if you want to go home with Lisa and the kids to sell your home and move back here, I will give permission for that. Now. Permission? I'm I'm outwardly thanking him. I get up and kiss him on both cheeks. Uh-huh. And internally, what you just said, uh, also dawned in a nanosecond. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Yeah. I have to get permission to take my kids home. Uh, and and then uh, the next uh, uh, two days later, I was in downtown uh, Tiberius with Lisa, whining and dining her, and the kids were back up sleeping. And that's when I really sprung the whole plan on her. And then, you know, knowing the the sales part of life really well, I stopped talking, kind of knowing that the next person who talked 
might not be the winner. Uh-huh. And she took a sip of her wet red wine when I was done with my pitch, gentle pitch, and she put the glass down and she said, okay, let's go home. Let's sell our stuff and let's get the paperwork done and sell the home and, and we'll all move back together. And at that moment, I literally, honestly, almost collapsed. I was so overjoyed. Uh I almost bawled like a little kid because I couldn't believe I heard those words. I was so desperate to be home with the kids, desperate to be with my kids and felt so wrong by what had happened. And, uh, but I, I, I kept it together. Okay. Okay. So, so what, so you got a plane ticket, I guess, or a bunch of them. Yeah. Yeah. I had bought plane tickets in advance, hoping that I could use them. Uh, If not, I was like, whatever, Uh, you know, and, we did. We we went to the airport about, it was three days later, uh, so I was there almost a week, and uh, her family followed us in two cars, the whole family, uh-huh. and we descended upon the airport, uh, returned the rental car, we checked in, and then we sat for a couple of hours. It's an international flight, so we had bagels and Danish and coffee and juice and fruit, and we talked, and I'm listening and watching body language. Yeah. Because I am no expert. Uh-huh. But you can still tell little nuances if oh, you're totally. a novice. Yeah. And I was watching, and I could tell there were a couple of people that maybe had some concerns, others that were fine. And like, like people I, in the family or strangers yeah. around? People in the family. No, yeah, strangers, I don't care. No problem. Okay. All right. Everybody there, you. you know, everybody there is fine with each other. Uh-huh. But no, the family is like, I could tell that people are talking individually, taking these over here. And plus, I knew just enough Hebrew to be a tiny bit dangerous. But I was not uh, at all fluent. Uh-huh. So I realized that uh, there may be a few people that weren't sure that she should go. Uh-huh. I kept looking at my Timex watch, and finally they said it's time to board. And uh, long story short, you know, the only way I could think of and that anybody could come up with to get the kids back was my way. Uh-huh. And we boarded a flight and took our seats. And a little while later, uh, we headed to... Uh, home to america so 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 you headed home you get mm-hmm. home mm-hmm. and you have to drop the bomb at some point mm-hmm. uh-huh yeah oh yeah i did and i waited two days just like i said lisa was served with divorce papers she was um whatever the opposite of happy is uh that well, did you just ambush her what happened is this yeah someone... what i did is i did uh three things uh-huh uh i made sure she was served with divorce papers when i wasn't home uh-huh. I made sure that as soon as we got home originally, that all four passports were taken and given to my close friend. Oh, it was safe. <laughs> and 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 then uh, I also made sure that the kids were at a friend's house. So kids were gone. I was gone. Passports were somewhere else. And Lisa was served with divorce papers. Uh, and then I went home before I picked up the kids because I realized there'd be some major fireworks. Uh-huh. And there were. Uh, I bet. What? How did that go? She wasn't happy. She was, she <laughs> was really, 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 really pissed. And uh, she yelled and screamed and said things in Hebrew, Arabic, and English. Uh, and um, she wasn't happy. I said, well, this is the way it is. And to 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 move things along unless you have a question uh we ended up living together in the same house for one year oh no and the reason is i would not leave 
There was no way after all this I was going to leave the kids or, or not be near them or, or let her have the house and have that upper hand. During that time, we were preparing for a big custody hearing, uh -huh. legal proceedings, and we were both put under the microscope by psychologists. And we had all these tests and things. And it turned out, I'm no psychologist, it turned out that I'm kind of normal with a couple of little quirks, but you know, pretty normal dude. Uh -huh. uh, she had some pretty deep-seated issues huh. that came out in in the psychological tests and reports. And that was uh, eye-opening to me. It showed me more that uh -huh. I kind of hadn't known. Uh, and in the end, in the end, when it was all said and done, we had a, a, a week-long custody hearing. Uh, and I was awarded primary placement of Jonathan and Alexandra. Wow. And uh, it was a, a wild, wild ride. And you would think, holy cow, so many questions, so much. But, Tracy, that's not where it ends. No, What? I thought that's we were key, over. What that's happened That's where the next? keynote ends. And the keynote ends on a really happy note with some other things in story. But what the book shares that the keynote doesn't is after a couple of years of uh, being mostly taking care of the kids and Lisa spending some time too, they went to the judge and the judge said, I will give Lisa permission to go back home with the kids to visit because Israel has signed the Hague Convention. So you are now protected. And Julie, my attorney, and I said, you've seen the psychological reports. Uh -huh. You've seen what's going on. You can't possibly allow her to go. You can't trust her. And right so she got to go she kept the kids again she would not return the kids and uh it had been four years since the divorce i had met someone else megan we had just gotten married oh uh, and are to this day and after six months of marriage and uh meg really digging the kids and the kids digging her uh they were taken again and i i said to her point blank i said look babe this is going to get bloody. It's going to get nasty. It's going to uh -huh. get expensive. So if you want to leave, now's the time. And I love you and I will not blame you. She goes, are you kidding? I'm in. I'm angry. Let's do this. And uh -huh. so we really had a second round of trying to figure out how to get the kids back home. Uh, How'd so you do it this time? Oh, I'm, that's for another episode. But is anyway, it? Oh my gosh, you're gonna cliffhanger us like that. So, so what oh I what gosh. I did is I hired attorneys over there that were great. Uh, one of them really understood the Hague Convention. Another one was just a, a good attorney who could think on his feet. And together they were great. We developed a plan. We started serving her with all sorts of things. I flew over there. I had to get permission from my company to be away for a while. HR was incredibly supportive. Uh, upper management was supportive. Everybody at the company was just great. So I went over there and uh, short story is they weren't expecting me over there. Got to hang out with all sorts of her family that were not happy uh, that this was going down and others that were kind of cool. But the court, in the end, gave custody of the kids to me uh, because of what had happened. Psychology report in Israel, that wasn't very good for Lisa and in America. And the fact now that she had broken uh, the law with the Hague Convention. So she appealed it. She appealed it to 
the appellate court in Nazareth. How holy is that, right? So it's Nazareth. It's the appellate court. The appellate court wouldn't give her her way. They upheld the lower case and said, absolutely, he gets to go back. Plus, not only does he get to go back, but you owe him all this money for all this stuff. Oh, boy. And I'm thinking to myself, finally, because she's paid for nothing forever. And then they said, well, we're going to go to the Supreme Court. Oh. Oh. And I talked to my attorneys and I said, look, the Supreme Court is not going to allow her to do this. And they will uphold the appellate and the lower court. But it's going to take some time. It's going to take money. Uh, Let us do this. Let us negotiate. And they did. They negotiated with her and her attorneys. And the negotiation was simple. Drop the Supreme Court thing. Scott will drop the fees that you owe, which are pretty substantial. The money's to him. And uh, everything's dropped. He gets on the plane with the kids and goes home. And that's a short version of a lot of stuff that went down. And uh, I was able to, (laughs) second time, fly back with the kids uh, back home to uh, the States and uh, had a pretty good welcome home. I get, now, how are your kids doing? They're great. They're grown, graduated college. Uh, you know, they okay. they um, they had to go through a lot of hell. Sure. Uh, I learned from a couple of friends who had been divorced that you never bash the other parent. Right. Because I had a lot of bashing I wanted to do because she was constantly, Lisa, saying things that weren't true, but I didn't. So to this day, one of the things the kids don't have is memories of me saying bad things about mm. their mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're doing they're doing good. Uh, you know, they have jobs. We're we're close, which is wonderful. That's all I wanted, and um, they're tight with Meg, uh, my wife. Uh, uh, love her, and they do have a relationship, and they talk time to time with their mom, who uh, never uh, never uh, decided to. Uh, try to raise them anymore after that wow oh my god yeah. Scott, i had i had no idea any of this went on i mean well, how many how many yeah. years total uh it went on for one six six years six on and off but th- there was more than just that uh too after i'm sure I got there's the- more to the story yeah. like i'm but sure it went on for about six years of of craziness uh but I just I wouldn't give up, and I didn't know I had that in me. But I just I was like I was I was going to die on that hill, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. And, okay, and, and so was, what's what's two things you can leave people with, like who may find themselves in this situation or similar? Great questions. The first would be to to never give up, mm-hmm. because you know you can look throughout history, you can read books of all these women and men that have accomplished great things, and how they'll tell you in their own words how close they were to going, that's it. But they didn't. And now they're household names because of something they've accomplished, but they were close because they're human beings, I guess. So so don't give up mm-hmm. uh, is, is the first thing. And the second is to really look at yourself, prioritize what you want, what's important, and then go for it uh, all the way. Just go for it. And if it isn't the right move, also be willing to back away. Uh, which I've had to do in certain times in business and in other things. So sure. uh, just never give up. And, and also, if, if there's something you want, go for it, make plans, aim, open up to others and, and let folks help you along the way. Wow. Those now, have been pretty helpful. OK, so you got a book. What's the book called? Uh, one of them, Kid Jacked, A Father's Story, which is Kid Jacked. Kid Jacked. 
Okay, I like it. Yeah, I it, life it, it, kidnapped just made me cry. It literally did. So I had to come uh-huh. up with a different word. Got uh, it. Came up with kid jacked. Okay, yeah. and and people can hear this more about this story in your keynotes, right? That that key, yeah, in this particular keynote, absolutely. My other ones don't really touch on this. They touch on other things that are important to navigating change or connecting generations and really making Got it, it work. Uh, and yeah, they can okay. definitely hear about this for sure. It's, All right. Uh, so, how can people get a hold of you? Like, if they want to book you, how can they? How can they get a hold of you? The easiest way: www.scottlesnick.com. That's my website. You can call me from there. You can send me an email from there. Uh, or they can just call you and go, hey, Tracy, how do I get in touch with this Scott guy? But well, you know what? That. You're yeah. really busy. So. <laughs> oh, my God. Scott, thank you so much for coming on Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. This has just been fascinating. It is my pleasure, Tracy. I'm so glad to have the opportunity. I've listened to a bunch of your podcasts, and they are so enlightening. You can't not listen to one of your podcasts and learn a lot of things, which is what I take away. And I'm like, oh my gosh, uh, I'm I'm surrounded by some really talented people. And then me, because there's some, you have a lot of good things going on. I oh. really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much, Scott. Thank you. Thanks for joining me. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it. I'll see you next time.